Hi, I'm Hannah. Hi, I'm Rochelle, and you're listening to BoxBox F1 Pod. We're going to dive straight into debriefing the Miami Grand Prix. But first, a very quick digital warm-up. Do-do-do. Lap one. Outfit of the day. Lewis had two in our runner runner-ups. <laughs> I personally think that purple number he wore is one of my favorite things he's ever worn. Yeah, it was a tribute to Virgil. Oh, was it? Is it off-white? Uh, his whole, like, outfit, like, the suit and everything is Louis Vuitton, but then he's wearing Virgil sunglasses that are off-white. Ah, uh, got it, got yeah. it. That makes more sense. It's yeah. very, very cool. Um, better than Kylie Jenner's. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciated it purely out of, like, her, like, trying to honor him, but yeah, it wasn't a great outfit. <laughs> Especially for the theme. Just didn't make any sense. Exactly. Um, but this is this is more this is more gilded age than anything anyone else wore. He's basically wearing a purple suit with like slits in the pants, and then it's a vest instead of a jacket. And then underneath, he's wearing like a track suit. It's ninety degrees in Miami, so <laughs> yeah. He he posted it on his Instagram, and he said, "Trust me, I can stand the heat." Okay, so a literal caption and metaphorical. Probably he was walking around and everyone was like, are you hot in there? (laughs) (laughs) Um, For the other two outfits he had, one is like a tweed suit, like a dark blue tweed suit with no shirt underneath. And then he wore another like dark red leather type sports thing. Um, also with no shirt underneath. I don't know if that actually helps the ventilation process, but it still looks very hot. All of his outfits this weekend were in pants and bulky, long sleeve jacket, sweater type things. And even without an undershirt, I'm just like, what an odd choice for the middle of Miami spring. <laughs> Makes no sense. You look cool. He, these are these are great outfits, but like... Mm-hmm. Clock your environment sometimes. Yes. Which Daniel did with a silky number. Yes. He's gone very 70s with like corduroy brown pants, vans, and like a silky situation on top. It looks cool. Yeah. That was at least like apropos, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like I'm, I'm dabbling in fashion, but like I'm still like skater boy Daniel. So it worked. Yeah. And then Guan Yu was wearing, like, a bowling shirt type thing. (laughs) I mean, it looks nice on him. It's green, but I just, it looks like vertical stripes down to me, at least in the middle. So that's why it reminds me of a bowling shirt. It does look like a bowling shirt. (laughs) (laughs) But no, he rocks it. It's a cool, cool little outfit. And I think his pants are, like, leather or some shiny-ish material. Yeah, they're, like, waxy denim. Yeah, some yeah. Uh, some interesting textures going on. <laughs> yes, but and off-white sneakers, so another Virgil Abloh. Yay. Um, yeah. He so him and Daniel look normal mm-hmm. and appropriate for where they're located. Um as one of our boxes messaged us, um Ari like everything looks good on Lewis, but relax a little bit, which is correct. Some sums it up, yeah. <laughs> Yes. Lap two, press conferences. Lewis, in response to the recent ban on jewelry in F1 cars, 
He wore so much jewelry to the press conference. He had eight rings on his hands, four necklaces, earrings, and three watches. Yeah. I, I still not sure if it was already restricted in the rules and they just highlighted like extra or if they came up with a new rule to enforce In it. any case, we were correct in understanding that Lewis would be the most impacted <laughs> by this rule regardless. Yes, and he was the most upset. Um, that was also when he bantered with Max, right? Where Max is like, you don't know if I have like... Like a any- nipple ring? Yeah. <laughs> like, I have some piercings people might not know about. Oh. In other protests, also one that we were confused about was um, that you have to wear a specific kind of underwear when you race. Um, and we thought it was because they required like a flame retardant underwear or something. But Seb clearly took issue with this rule because in protest, he wore like briefs on top of his tracks. He looked a bit deranged. <laughs> Not yeah, gonna if lie. You didn't know, if you didn't know, you'd be like, what is happening? <laughs> like it, it was like gray, like the Heather gray, and it was Puma briefs. Yeah over his Aston Martin race suit. Of all of Subtle Seb's protests, this was the least subtle. But he, I I also was confused by this rule. I assume it is because they're, like, requiring, like, safety underwear, but I guess he's also concerned, not concerned, but, like, annoyed by the fact that they're highlighting something that they're doing anyway in the same way Lewis was. Yeah, I truly do not know why he's protesting this. I also, I, I I think it's less being against it and more just highlighting the silliness. There was a press release about it and stuff. So, like, he's like, why are you emphasizing this? This is dumb. F1 drivers do not like rules. No, they hate, for, for something that's called Formula One because of the formula and all the rules that go into it, they seem very anti-rules. Um, Although it's, again, the two people that protest the most about everything, so. That's true. If they're not fighting for something, why exist at all? Very true. And I'm proud of Seb for being able to handle both the environmental crisis in Florida and the underwear crisis in F1 simultaneously. Another press conference tidbit was that Lando was asked about his helmet, (laughs) and he said... It's a basketball. (laughs) Yeah, we know. But then he said, maybe it would have suited George more, considering they like bouncing a bit more. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I love the banter. He he also made a little dig at all the other drivers. He's like, I knew everyone would be doing like neon florals and palm trees. Like, I wasn't going to do that. I did a basketball. He truly looked like an idiot today. <laughs> Perhaps he didn't factor in the um, the, the walk, walk of shame. <laughs> Can you imagine if you had to do a walk of shame and your head was a basketball? <laughs> um, yeah, not a. It just looked so stupid. It like did. I appreciate the innovation and the creativity he attempted to bring to the helmet design, but. <laughs> It looked really funny on his head. Okay, so lap three, celebrities. 
I think the best moment today was by Martin Brundle and the cringiest gridwalk of all time. I, at certain points, felt really bad for him, though, because he was trying to interview, like, celebrities, and some of them were just completely brushing him off because they don't know who he is, probably. This is his shtick, though. Like, yeah, yeah, he's, like, one of the most famous journalists in motorsports, I believe. Anyone who's into motorsports, like, knows who he is. Um, But, like, these, like, random celebrities don't. And I think he kind of gets a high from, like, trying to get an interview (laughs) from all these people. Because there was that Meg Thee Stallion moment. Yeah. Like, yeah. So it's, like, a thing for him. I don't know if he gets, like, high off it or something. (laughs) He was doing it again in the worst shirt I've ever seen. The biggest Martin Brundle moment, though, he was, like... Oh, there's there's Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> Patrick, Patrick. And then this tall man turns around and Martin's like, "What's it like being here among all the competitors?" And this tall man is like, "It's amazing. Like I could see they're locked in. It really reminds me of myself while I prep for my games." <laughs> and then Martin is like clearly listening to his earpiece or something and he's like, Uh, I was just informed you are not Patrick Mahomes. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, what is your name, sir? And he goes, Paolo Bancaro. (laughs) And Martin just goes, okay, I thought you were someone else. And then he shakes his hand and walks away. And you could clearly see on Martin's face that he thought Paolo was like, a random person. Yeah. But Paolo is actually, like, the star of the Duke basketball team, and he's probably going to be, like, the number one draft pick this year in the NBA. So, and then <laughs> the funny thing was, Paolo retweeted that video, and he just put, like, a laughing emoji, and he's like, I'm just vibing today. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I thought, I'd, I don't follow college basketball. Yeah. I he looks like my my I was watching with my family and my dad was like, Well that was racist. <laughs> he just walked up to a random, like <laughs> athletic looking person. Um so I also thought it was a random person and I was like, Martin, <laughs> what are you doing? But it almost makes it worse that it was an actual athlete. And he just like, walked off like, whoops it is he. <laughs> very funny um other celebrities there's so many celebrities so danica patrick was there and she helped do the commentating for the um pre-race show also michelle obama who thought an ex like first lady was going to show up in the mercedes garage no one yeah she was actually listening in and like with the team during qualifying on saturday so that was yeah. like really cool yeah, and gave Lewis an extremely, like, affectionate hug. Like, that looked like a nice yeah. hug. Other celebrities, Bad Bunny was there, hanging out with Checo. <laughs> Just don't imagine Checo hanging out with Bad Bunny at no, all. No, Checo is a wholesome father. <laughs> yeah, and Bad Bunny is called Bad Bunny. <laughs> yes, the name just says it all. McLaren's guest this weekend was David Beckham, and during the race, he was in their garage, and they kept throughout the race showing David's face looking disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I in this garage? Um, Romeo was also there. Romeo? 
idea. Romeo. Um, one of the one of the Beckham children was there, and he's friends with Lando, which I'm assuming is why they were in the McLaren garage. Because when Martin was trying to get an interview with David, he was taking pictures with Red Bull, which is clearly where David wanted to be. Yes. <laughs> but he ended up in McLaren, I assume because of the of the kid. For me, the most impressive of all, <laughs> DJ Khaled, who gave quite the quote. He said, we in Miami, this is my home, best city in the world, and the whole world is here for this beautiful event. F1, family, fun, good energy, superstars, icons. They didn't want us here, but God did another one. (laughs) Okay, that was spot on. And the entire time, Martin Brundle just has his mic out to DJ Khaled, like, um... Yeah, and then he ended up like, um, well, I've got nothing to add here. (laughs) Still ran off. I hope that gave him a good high. I hope so, too, because truly, that's what he wanted from every celebrity, and DJ Khaled gave it to him, so. (laughs) Lap four, box, box, inbox. One of our uh, boxes uh, messaged us. She is from South Florida and let us know that the issue said Vettel raised with his t-shirt is very real. Um, There are rising sea levels, and because Florida is mostly coastal, there is no elevation. So there is a a concern that Florida will eventually be submerged. So Act now, or swim later. (laughs) Still don't know how to act. He should have, instead of wearing underwear over his race suit, he should have just done a follow-up t-shirt. Yeah, or at least put it on the underwear. Like, some follow-up tasks for us <laughs> to engage in. Oh, okay, another great um, uh, DM we got was from one of our OG boxes, Kelsey, who was on the ground in Miami giving us the scoop. And there was a lot of scoop to be had. Um, first of all, she told us that the venue is huge and mostly, like, covered in, like, cool down areas and food trucks and tents there are merch shops and in fan activities like um pit crew challenges and reaction time challenges stuff like that um she also highlighted the costs of everything a smoothie cost 22 dollars champagne cost 28 dollars a hat cost 120 dollars and the craziest one I thought, $16 for a hot dog, but the hot dog comes with the option of caviar as a topping. Would you get a caviar-topped hot dog? I think it ruins the caviar. No? Well, no shit. (laughs) It's a hot dog. The only way for it to be worth it is if you get it and then eat the caviar, because $16 for a caviar is quite good. I know, I was thinking, like... That's pretty cheap for a hot dog topped with caviar. $16? Yeah. That's that, very affordable. That sounds well worth it, yeah. If, it, if, if it's proper black caviar. Yeah. No, I would get it as well. She chose mustard, though, so That's, good for I mean, her. a classic, yeah. Yes. <laughs> good job. Um, the last crazy thing she told us was that the fake yacht, uh, the, the real yachts on the fake marina um, were available to sit on um if you purchased a yacht from the company that displayed the yachts um if you chose not to buy a yacht you could still sit on it but first you had to pay ten thousand dollars 
I assume people are stupid and paid money to sit on it. So there were sure people was, on there. Yeah, I'm sure it was actually profitable in the end. <laughs> oh yeah, super smart from the perspective of whoever was pocketing cash, but dumb as a concept. <laughs> yes. Alrighty. Well, that concludes our digital warm up. Do 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 do. Before we continue this episode, BoxBox F1 Pod is sponsored by Manscaped. Seb lately is giving hippie, disheveled vibes, and it's just not a great look for him. No. While I understand that he might be going for the environmentalist aesthetic, I think it would be a better sell on all of his initiatives if he looked suave so that his... His face was as smooth as his political ambitions. Yes. Just because you care about the earth doesn't mean you can't care about yourself. Exactly. Seb should go to manscaped.com. They have a ton of products that he can use, including their new ultra smooth package. He can shave, exfoliate, and do whatever he needs to do to keep fighting those causes, but looking good while doing it. If you want your stubble to be as subtle as Subtle Seb, you can head over to manscaped.com and get 20% off and free worldwide shipping with our code BOXBOXF1POD. All right, time for our race ride. Mr. Worldwides have landed in the 305, and this is a GP where they will legit be driving to survive. Before the race even starts, we're overwhelmed with the Miami hype. Celebs, fun activities, and local sports of every type. Quali was decent, but a mistake from Max costs him pole, which puts him in third with Charles first and Carlos in second, or dos in Espanol. After a week of anticipation, race day is here, and so is every celeb except Pitbull, In lap one, Max overtakes Carlos, and then Charles in lap nine, earning a cheer from Red Bull. Perez loses a bit of power, but he never loses control. P4 from beginning to end, truly the most reliable D2 in the world. The pit wall radars are indicating that there is eight minutes until rain, but like usual, there's as much falling water as the fake marina contains. By the way, we need to shout out our boy Valtteri B, who is maintaining a lead over the Mercedes. Wowee! And then an incident with Pierre sends Lando's tire bouncing like a basketball. It's heartbreak for Norris as he trudges off to the McLaren pit wall. The restart gives us many pits, and for Ferrari, it's another chance. But as close as Charles gets, this is one race this horse couldn't prance. It's a triumphant win for Max with a double Ferrari finish in P2 and 3, and Charles gets dubbed Chuck, a nickname with which I vehemently disagree. So that's a wrap on the Miami GP. It was fun, wild, and like most American stuff, over the top. Time for a much-needed siesta. And then it's Spain for our next stop. Yes, where was Pitbull? (laughs) We saw literally everyone bar Pitbull. Tragic. Tragic. Okay. (laughs) All right, on to analysis. So just starting out on the weekend, the drivers commented that the track wasn't actually that great for driving on. They said parts of the track were really slippery and didn't offer much grip. And I think part of it is obviously somewhat attributed to the fact that it's brand new. Yeah. On to Quali. Surprisingly, in Q1, Kevin Magnuson got out. 
he set a precedent that he's now not meeting. Yeah, and then also in Q2, we were surprised that George went out. Yeah, but that didn't really stop him. He's just like been really incredible this year. Yeah. Okay. To many people's, I don't know, happiness, Valtteri <laughs> qualified in P5 this weekend, which means he outqualified Lewis and George. And so, well, my friend texted me, like, Valtteri's revenge tour continues. And there are a lot of posts, like F1 meme posts of, like, Valtteri looking at the scoreboard and seeing him above yeah. Lewis and George in qualifying, so. Yeah, Valtteri's in his reputation era, and mm-hmm. it's um, it's great. I, lo- I, I, I don't know if he's... I'm sure he's feeling it. He's not commenting on it, but it he must be He actually... Good. He was in an interview, and it. I don't think it was about, like, Mercedes at all, but he said right now in his life he hasn't been happier, like, personally or professionally, we know. We, yep. we, we know. We, I mean, how many bleak afternoons has he had since leaving Mercedes? Like, one. One, but we don't even know why, so it was a false no. alarm. It was, it was a false, it was, it was aesthetic driven rather right. than, um, It was his Finnish, uh, temperament. Yes. <laughs> that drove it. <laughs> rather than a weekly bleak afternoon, like, it's it, he's 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 storming ahead. We love George. Uh, blah blah blah. Freudian slip. We love Valtteri. Um, <laughs> and where he's at. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. But really, the results of quality that were really important is that Ferrari got the front row with Charles taking pole, Carlos, and then it was Max and Checo. And Max was really upset because. He basically, going into a turn, he turned wide on his fast lap, and so he went on the curbs, and so he wasn't able to beat Charles' time. And he attributed part of his mistake to the fact that he didn't get to participate in some of free practice this weekend because his car needed a gearbox change, and there was a hydraulic issue. So he just wasn't familiar with the track, and... He thinks he turned wide because he just, like, wasn't sure where the track limit was, which is, like, understandable. It was cool. Not cool, but interesting that he um, had his little spin out right in front of the Red Bull ads on the side of the track. So it um, was a good moment for sponsorship because it was just a Red Bull car in front of Red Bull ads. Yeah, they showed that wall so much. I mean, it's just a bunch of the Red Bull bulls with like palm trees yeah but like for what feels like a mile i actually really liked it i thought it really went with the miami aesthetic yes all you have to do is add hot pink palm trees and you're already in the miami aesthetic but also like red bull the energy drink like is my kind of go yeah you know like of all u.s cities i mean it kind of goes with vegas also yeah it's where people drink the most Red Bull. It's for aggressive cities. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no one's drinking that in, like, Jackson Hole, Wyoming. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, okay, so, yeah, the starting grid. So, Ferrari front row, Red Bull second row, Valtteri P5, Lewis, then Pierre, Lando in P8, and Yuki in P9. So, also pretty good starting grid for Alphatari. 
So those were like the top nine. Esteban had to start last because he actually didn't participate in quali. He crashed his car in FP3, so it had to be repaired. Um, and then the Aston Martin started from the pit lane, which was a last-minute decision because apparently their fuel was too cold. I personally did not know fuel could be too cold, but um, that actually could cause um, incur a penalty penalty from the FIA, so they decided not to risk it and just start from the pit lane. Okay, so on to the race. We'll start at the very beginning of the race and also the front runners because it was pretty stable. Um, Okay, so Max pretty immediately passed Carlos on the first turn, and so he got into P2. The commentators said Max was very brave around the outside. (laughs) I also like they panned to an American fan who was like, what you see when you watch, like, American football fans. Like, it was very American in expressing his excitement. And the commentator in his, like, English accent very calmly went, I believe that's what he came here to see. (laughs) (laughs) That's my favorite kind of American-British interaction. Same. Americans being overly excited and expressive, and the Brits just like, okay. (laughs) Anyway. Literally sums up my three, four years in the UK. Um, Okay, so Max moved up to P2, and then on lap nine, he overtook Charles. It was really a good move um, by him. It was, like, really clean and just nice, and then he moved up into the lead and pretty much stayed there. So the top four order was Max, Charles, Carlos, and Checo the entire time, basically. One of the issues that happened was in around lap 20, Checo kept complaining about losing power, but his engineers kept being like, there is nothing there, there's nothing there. And then they're like, oh, there's something there. Um, And they fixed it. Um, But he still lost a decent amount of power that he didn't regain with their fix. So he had to work harder than normal to keep up his position, which he stayed P4 the whole time, basically. Mercedes was battling themselves for P5, though. Like, no one even got close to Checo. No. One through four were just, like, in their own race, Yes, they were very separated. Yeah. Um, Okay, on to the pit stops. So, just kind of the main ones. Lando had a pit stop that was 3.6 seconds which is not good. No. And David Beckham just looked completely unimpressed. But yeah, Max had like, I think the fastest pit stop of the day and it was 2.4 seconds. So he was basically able to maintain his lead. The worst pit stop of the day was Carlos, who in lap 28, so one after Max, um, had a 5.4 second pit stop. Like as soon as he pitted, they brought... Checo in who had a 3.1 second pit stop but because he came in like a couple seconds after Carlos Carlos still managed to come out like right in front of him but yeah that was not a good pit stop for Carlos yeah he was really lucky he came out ahead of Checo yeah like barely everyone you could see like their faces and the commentators they're just like oh no unlucky Carlos again But it was fine in the end. Okay, and then George on the radio basically was like, let's wait for a safety car to pit. 
which everyone was kind of like, uh, <laughs> how is that going to happen? <laughs> there was no indication that there would be any kind of safety car at all. Other than them saying it might rain and then it didn't rain. But like somehow George was like, there will be a safety car. But he was right. I know. It was almost like clairvoyant. (laughs) Just really quickly on the rain. Because, yeah, they kept saying it was going to rain, but it did not. But one thing I appreciated was Christian was sitting at like the pit wall, you know, Mm -hmm. and he they were talking about rain. And then they panned to Christian just looking up at the sky. (laughs) And I was like, thank you, Christian. Thank you for going to the source itself. (laughs) He's like, this radar is showing me nothing. (laughs) Exactly. And yeah, no, no issues today. So (laughs) I, although he looked up at a cloud filled sky and I don't know if his determination would have been no rain because it looked, it it just looked like. He was processing the information in the sky, which was all I asked for. I think, yeah, at least at least multiple sources, not just that dumb radar on your screen. Can't trust the internet or the sky completely. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, that was good. <laughs> okay, so there were two incidents of contact that involved Pierre. However, it did not necessarily seem like Pierre was at fault. He just kind of got... Double tapped. (laughs) Um, So in lap 39, Fernando was doing a late lunge. He was behind Pierre, so he was trying to lunge on the inside of Pierre on a corner. But he just did it really late, so Pierre did not see him. And Fernando hit the back of Pierre's car. And so Fernando was given a five-second penalty to serve at the end of the race for that. That makes yeah. sense, because I was confused for a second. Yeah, it happened literally right before lap 41 when Pierre went wide on a turn, and then he recovered, but while recovering and coming back onto the track, he tapped the back of Lando's car, and Lando spun out really badly. He spun, like, three times. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, like, back-to-back, which is why it was kind of hard to track, but it was two separate incidents but um the commentators were saying when pierre got on back onto the track he was like right up against the barrier there was like nowhere else he could like go so that's why it wasn't really pierre's fault but obviously it was just like a bad accident so then lando got out of his car and had to walk down the pit lane with his basketball helmet on his head (laughs) And it was so funny and sad. <laughs> it, it was not, that helmet was not made for a walk of shame. I imagine it looked quite cool when he was spinning from the, from the tap. <laughs> yes, it's like when you spin it on your finger. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I imagine Good that's what point. it looked like, but we did no one zoomed in, so we will never know. Instead, we just okay. watched it bob all the way down. <laughs> So, because of Lando's accident, there was a virtual safety car, and clairvoyant George pitted, yes. and Checo also pit, but Max and both of the Ferraris stayed out. And then Mercedes, on the radio to Lewis, asked him if he wants to pit, and Lewis said, 
you tell me. Don't leave it to me, man. I don't want to lose position. So then Mercedes said, okay, we recommend staying out. And Lewis says, yeah, I would lose position to George for sure. I don't like that interaction because Mercedes has the data and they have more visibility into the race. They should not be asking if he wants to pit. Like, they should be coming to him with information or a recommendation. I think the reason they did that is because recently, even from last season, there's been so many instances where they tell him to do something and he was like, well, that's a stupid decision. I'm like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. And I think they were trying to save themselves a bit and like, well, I don't want you blaming this on us when this is over. That's like, I get that, but that's like a really bad approach. Oh, I agree. I think instead of like, telling him what to do or tell or asking him what to do they should present him with information like you said that's what i mean discuss it and he ended up losing position to george anyways (laughs) (laughs) so okay by the way the real safety car came out it wasn't because at first i was like is it is this really just a virtual safety car because there was a lot of debris and like a wheel um but then the real safety car came out and they stayed behind that thing for a while Okay, so then the race restarted at lap 47, so with like 10 laps to go, and the restart order was Max, Charles, Carlos, Checo, Valtteri, Lewis, and George, and basically that top order stayed the same for a little bit, at least the top four, like Checo really did try to pass Carlos, and they kind of battled it out, but Carlos defended really well, like, multiple times from Checo. Yeah. He got close. Checo, like, almost lapped it, or overtook Yeah. So in lap 50, Valtteri turned wide, and he tapped the wall. So then Lewis and George passed him. Oh, really sad, because Valtteri was doing amazing all weekend. Uh, an Alfa Romeo, I know Mercedes is struggling, but an Alfa Romeo in P5, he is working way above the ability of the car. So that's great. Yeah. So after they passed him, Lewis and George battled for P5. In the end, George ended up ahead yet again. And then another potential battle that didn't pan out to anything, Mick was in P9, which was super exciting. And the commentators obviously we're like really excited for Mick to get points today it would be his first points in F1 and Espon was right behind him too so we were all kind of excited for like a little battle but ultimately in lap 54 Mick accidentally tapped Seb and Seb spun out and it was really sad because Mick in just like the saddest voice was like that was my corner But the commentators were like, uh, Seb may have had rights to that corner, and yeah, Seb, uh, had, like, debris spinning off his car everywhere, but there was no yellow flag, and so the race kept going, but then Mick did have to get a new front wing, which put him pretty far back and out of the points in, like, P16. And, of course, the commentators pointed out their mentor-mentee relationship, they kept calling it a parental relationship, which I don't know why the term parental... If they had said, like, father-son or, like, fatherly... I don't know why parental, like, really 
irked me. But they kept saying the word parental. <laughs> like the way they were like, this is, you can't have friendships, you can't have relationships in F1. That is not true. Like the, if anything, the tone in Mick's voice indicated that he was sad about it. I don't think their relationship's going anywhere. Yeah. Okay, so then in lap 52, there was a potential battle with Charles and Max. Like, obviously, Charles was doing the best he could, but his tires were actually a few laps older than Max's, and, I don't know, just pace-wise, Charles was never really able to get there. He was so close, though, though, like, he got, like, 0.2 seconds, like, within range. He just didn't have enough to, like, push past. Uh, the commentators went, went, catch me if you can, uh, but he can't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it basically ended as expected. Max won the race. He also got the fastest lap. And then Charles in P2 and Carlos. Um, Max on the radio was like, I think I need a drink, mate. And I think you need a drink. <laughs> And, and then he removed his helmet, and you can see his entire head was drenched in sweat. They were all dead. Like, yes. they were barely standing on their feet. All of them, like, looked like they had just done, like, the race of their lives. Which I didn't, like, process while... I mean, obviously, how would I process it I'm at home on my couch? But, like, I didn't process that this was, like, more exhausting than other races. Maybe because it's hot. It that was it was like ninety degrees today. Yeah, it was extremely no, hot. So hot, they were all dead. <laughs> yes, um, but unfortunately, they had to be interviewed by <laughs> Willie T. Ribs. I don't think this was the right time to introduce Willie. <laughs> it was. They were like a combination of amused. Like the second he started talking, they looked kind of amused, but also like I can't deal with this right now. <laughs> it was. A lot. Okay, so basically, Willie T. Ribs is a retired American racer. For uh, Charles, he's like, Charles Chuck Leclerc. And Charles, like, did a double take, and he's like, alrighty then. <laughs> he, like, no, like, Charles Chuck Leclerc. And Ch- Ch- Charles is like, what? My name is Charles Mark Hervé Percival Leclerc. Never in the world has Charles ever been referred to as Chuck. No. Chuck, the worst part of a, of a, like, a meat cut. Like, the, it the, is. the, the <laughs> just terrible. You don't call someone from Monaco Chuck. No, that's what you make beef stew with. Yeah. <laughs> Charles is not beef stew. He's Wagyu. Yes. Um, and then for Max's intro, like, he was like, Muhammad Ali once said, when you're winning, Christmas Day is every day. So this is just another Christmas Day for you, isn't it? And Max was like, yep. <laughs> yep, it is. The thing is, they didn't look annoyed. They looked extremely amused and like, if I had the energy, I would be enjoying this, but I don't. So I'm just going to, like, blink at you and be like, I don't know what to say. <laughs> yes. And then at the end of Carlos's interview, I forget the exact words, but Willie said something and was like, baby, like, good job, baby. <laughs> 
And then we Carlos said, he said, way to go, baby. <laughs> and Carlos looks so perplexed that he literally walked away. And there is a clip on the internet now of Carlos, like, with those shocked eyes, you know, kind of when you walk away from a bizarre situation <laughs> where you're like, what the fuck? Carlos now has two of the most memeable faces on the internet. That one. And then the second one is when he was told during an interview that he was being summoned by the stews. And, like, oh, yeah. the when he's like... He's good at, like, the, like, shocked, surprised... Yeah, like, like are you shitting what? me? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but anywho, Willie T. Ribs is a gem. I love him. I hope he, <laughs> he comes was, back. He was... You know how for the Italy in uh, Imola, they had the enthusiastic Italian yeah. interviewer? This yeah. Is, like, this is his American counterpart. Exactly. They both, like, channel the energies of their respective countries... All right. The other really weird thing was um, Charles and Carlos were in the cool down room, but Max, for whatever reason, had to be taken there on a highway patrol like (laughs) moped, which had sirens that were literally going off and so loud, like on my television, it was like the police were here and the lights and everything. And Christian and Ginger Spice were walking in this tunnel that this patrol people were in and ginger spice nearly got hit and christian was walking next to her on the inside and the commentator (laughs) was like christian should be walking on the outside so ginger spice doesn't get knocked out by the police yes she he should have been walking on the outside but more importantly why did max need a police escort i assumed that carlos and um charles also were on a golf cart because they were all exhausted but like why did max need a police escort through a tunnel that only had like employees no one was going to stand in the way of the golf cart it's not like a freeway like you know like they also really did not need sirens and lights because yes everyone can see <laughs> yes i know ginger spice is not gonna block max's golf cart like on the way that's just dumb but speaking of police um i don't know if you've been following kako's story kako is carlos's manager slash cousin um but every day for the last like week he's been posting posting like police content of like him yeah with police (laughs) he was like best escorts ever yeah and then today he posted a picture of carlos on the police motorcycle i don't know why they're so obsessed with the miami police (laughs) but there's been so much police content it was weird bizarre (laughs) okay the cool down room was a bit awkward at first Carlos was shirtless, but he was like, don't film me. <laughs> like, Carlos don't look at me. Carlos was on the verge of death, it looked like. Yeah. like he was, he was, he's like, don't come to me. He was literally cooling down in the cool down room, which I guess yep. is the point. <laughs> same, but- yeah, same with Charles, who was pouring sweat and chugging water. They he he was talking to Car- it was hard to hear and I couldn't understand the metrics he was using but I believe they were talking about how much weight he lost and Charles was like are you kidding me so I think Carlos was yeah like not drinking during the like he was he was in a bad place at the end because yeah. they lose like in hot races like I know in Singapore they lose like five to seven pounds yeah 
Um, and this is also really hot. So they clearly lost a lot of weight. And Carlos wasn't drinking. So um, he just looked bad. But all I see online now is shirtless pics of Carlos. Yep. Um, and then Max finally arrived. And then the three of them just chit-chatted about the gaps and tires in the race. And it wasn't super interesting, but I did like that initial awkward moments yes. with the Ferrari boys. None of not this whole thing isn't exciting. Like we've definitely seen like heated moments in the mm-hmm. down room. But just like the idea of them naturally talking about what happened during the race, not like in an interview state, but like just like talking like to each other. Yeah. It's just really fascinating to me. I like love watching it. You should approach it as a nature documentary yes. where you don't expect crazy action all the time. Although, of course, there is potential for that. But really, exactly. you're just observing. Yeah, you're just watching life happen. Um, and my favorite part about this life is the fact that they're also all drinking from glass spark- yes. glass bottles of sparkling water. I know, I love that too. <laughs> okay, the actual podium ceremony started with all three of them coming out one by one <laughs> with... Like, American football helmets, but Pirelli branded, like, in lieu of the Pirelli baseball caps that they usually wear. And it looked absolutely hideous. And thankfully, they took them off immediately as they got on the stands because there was an anthem. And I've never been more thankful for an anthem. (laughs) They never take off their baseball caps. But in this case, like, oh, respect. We must take off these ridiculous things off our head. Also... In the heat, when we clearly just saw them drenched, I'm like, and you're going to put them in a helmet. (laughs) That's the last thing they need. Um, They were ugly. They were awful, like, unnecessary. But Dan Marino, was it Dan Marino? Is that his name? Yeah, Dan Marino. Yeah, Yeah, he delivered the first place trophy, and his statue is right in front. I thought he was dead for some reason, but no, he's very much alive and quite sprightly. Yeah, he's not old. No, I don't know why. I, I feel like... I assume that statues are of dead people, but that's... No, I mean, typically, the majority are, I would say. <laughs> not dead <laughs> burrito, No, not him. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, uh, the rest of the top ten. So Checo came in P4, George in P5, and he has a 100% record in the top five this year. Amazing. Pretty nuts, yeah. He's doing really well. yeah. Lewis and P6. Yes, but like what drives me crazy is that Sky somehow managed to come up with a new stat for Lewis every single race. So this race, it's Lewis finishes outside the top five for the first time in his career in the US. And like every time these stats are getting narrower and narrower because the car is just not allowing Lewis to perform to his full potential. Can I say something that happened last night really quick? Yeah. Okay, so the NBA playoffs are happening, and last night it was a game like Grizzlies-Warriors, and Jeff Van Gundy is like a really famous guy. He's like a sports commentator, and he was announcing, and it was aired on ESPN. So they promoed that the Miami Grand Prix was happening today, and all he had to say was like the time and like it's the Grand Prix, it's the first Miami one. No one asked him, but he said, if I had to choose, I would say that 
Lewis Hamilton is going to win Miami tomorrow. Hands <laughs> down. And I also, this was at like 8 p.m. at night. So quality already happened. Okay. Like we know there's no fucking way. And so then the announcer next to him who doesn't know anything was like, really? I don't, I didn't know that. And then Jeff Van Gundy goes, of course, Lewis is the LeBron of F1. He's not watching F1. Like, at least Google it. At least Google I know. how he's doing this season before saying, like, obviously. Also, uh, the parallel to LeBron is actually insanely true because both Lewis and LeBron won their last world title in 2020 and now they're completely fallen off the trajectory. <laughs> so he did say something true, but it was clearly an accident. It was accidental, and I was like, <laughs> Jeff, please get educated. <laughs> or stick to what you know. But, like, I was really, it was a proud moment, though, because, like, F1 has entered mainstream American commentary. But I'm like, please don't sound like idiots when you're commenting. <laughs> like, you know, it was on ESPN. That was really cool during the NBA. But I was like, please, please yes. learn. I mean, if anything... This Grand Prix has shown that F1 as a concept has entered mainstream media. Like, even if the celebrities coming have no idea what the hell is going on. <laughs> like, the, yes. the, the phrase F1 was never really uttered before. Yeah, like mainstream, yeah, American yeah. sports did not really talk about it. Consider F1. it. Yeah. So we're learning as a country. <laughs> We're in a learning moment. We have to be patient. Well, also, clearly, Martin Brundle's learning. We're all having, like, a (laughs) cross-cultural moment where we have to blend our two cultures together. Yes, there's a lot of culture shock going on. But I would like to, in in defense of America, there's a lot of hate going on online about the track design and how this is clearly America's fault when the designer is British. Yes. We will take full responsibility for the uh, marina. We will take full responsibility for all the unnecessary um, sideline absurdity that's happening at the Miami Grand Prix. But we will not take the fall for a terribly designed track. That's on you, Brits. Bring back Herman Tilk. (laughs) Yeah, where's Herman? (laughs) All right. So, yes, Lewis finished P6. Valtteri P7, Esteban P8, Fernando P9, even with his five-second penalty, that's where he ended up. And then Alex Albin, P10! Okay, so um, aside from Alex's incredible driving skills, what this really comes down to is the fact that Alex dyed his hair in Melbourne to be red. And I thought I saw streaks of red in his hair, and I was like, no, it must be the sun. Like, why would Alex Alvin have dyed his hair red? But he had dyed his hair red. And then in Imola, he got, he got, he scored out of the points. I believe it was P11. And his team and him were like, oh, let's not fix the car. Let's re-dye Alex's hair. So they re-dyed Alex's hair for Miami. And guess what? <laughs> Alex finished in the points. We love a pattern. We love conspiracies. This is just very much up our alley. Yes, we love the red hair conspiracy. And we did post on our, we did post a poll on our Instagram about whether Charles should implement this strategy for Monaco. 
And it was a resounding yes. The color was still up for debate, but it was a resounding yes for Charles trying something different for the Monaco yeah. Grand Prix. I totally agree. It's like, what does he have to lose? No. Just not try something different because you know if you do the exact same thing, you're going to get the same result, which is a <laughs> DNF or something horrible. <laughs> um. Yes. The only thing he has to lose is his aesthetic, but I don't think there's anything Charles could do to hinder his face. But anyway, okay. so Alex, P10, amazing. Also have to say his girlfriend was here mm-hmm. and she they is great. Be, amazing she might be my favorite wag i think she's stunning yeah she's like a golfer and they golf together quite often yeah and she's a really professional cute. golfer like a yeah good she's a real one golfer. women's yeah. golf <laughs> she's a real golfer <laughs> um right. yeah and she's stunning so yeah driver of the day max won with like 17 percent of the vote which he deserves like that was a lot but we have our own runner-ups yes I think that Valtteri deserves um, deserves an honorable mention because he kept fifth for so long and he kept it ahead of Mercedes, which just like from this, first of all, fifth for Alfa Romeo, amazing. From an optics perspective, ahead of the Mercedes, also amazing. Like that must have been a great ego boost for him. Even though he finished P7, he did stay P5 for like the majority of the race. So yeah. Agreed. And then my honorable mention is Esteban because he went from dead last to P8, which is just also insane for like an Alpine to pass all those cars. So good. And again, like I think we said it before, Esteban is such a under, like I forget about him all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he still does, he does well all the time. Like, I don't know how, like he just slips from my mind, but he, he's doing well every race. So France's national treasure. <laughs> Sorry, Pierre. You're out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, okay, dick in the box box. I'm... This This is, like, the same dick, really. <laughs> the, the blind spot on the track that caused the crash between Pierre and Lando, I think is a pretty big dick. Because that's just poorly designed, and I'm sure that's going to be redesigned for next year. Um, and But also Miami in general seems to have like drained every every single one of the drivers of all their energy i guess miami's my dick (laughs) Alrighty then okay (laughs) the standings i mean from my understanding there's actually been no changes in the actual order so charles is still leading then max checo george carlos that's the top five so lewis is in sixth then Lando, Valtteri, Esteban, and Kevin still in the top 10. And then the Constructors' top five is Ferrari, Red Bull, Mercedes, McLaren, and Alfa Romeo. What did you think of the Miami Grand Prix in general? Of course, Miami and Monaco are worlds apart in terms of like the prestige, but they are actually really similar in, in the fact that it pretty much all revolved around celebrity sightings and the glitz and the actual racing was kind of boring. Yeah, it's the same like, you know, like always like that that battle in like historical dramas of old money versus new money where like new money's like we're just the same, but everyone's yes. like, but that's better. Um Miami is essentially Monaco. It just doesn't have the history to back it up. 
Yeah. And it's in America. So automatically it's it's discredited as being American. But yeah, in so, terms of like the racing experience, it was just like, yeah. all right, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I think one of our boxes text me- messaged us and they were, cause a lot of people are complaining about America, like ruining F1. And he was like, for this, for like years, everyone's been saying that America is like not up to date. Like, why don't they follow F1? We need America to be involved. And then as soon as America gets involved, they're like, can you leave? <laughs> like they, you're ruining it. F1 actually needs America because we have money. We have exactly. money to be spent and Everyone knows cash is king, and if they want to be a successful sport, they need America, so you're welcome. Exactly, you're welcome. There's a reason Liberty Media bought F1, an American company, bought F1, because they need us. They need Drag to Survive. They need Miami. Suck it up. (laughs) Yeah, like, we left it to Europe for decades, and what did you do with it? Nothing. So just let us do what we will. It's our turn we can't possibly make it worse or we could make it worse but we will make you money along the way yeah (laughs) we'll make it worse but popular which is our american way yep yeah (laughs) so yeah Um, but i'm i'm happy for it i'm happy it exists (laughs) yes i love the week leading up to it i can't say the race was like my all-time favorite or even my top like any favorite it was so mundane um but it was a fun weekend and it was really fun to watch the drivers interact with like american culture in a different way than austin does um oh yeah for sure we needed this side of america we have more to offer (laughs) (laughs) sorry austin texas we do have more to offer i would go so far as to say we have more to offer than austin and miami we have vegas (laughs) just kidding we have way more than those three (laughs) unfortunately that's all you'll get to see for the near future but there's more to us than meets the eye that's the end of our grand prix review Um, we hope you enjoyed please let us know your thoughts about the miami grand prix and what you think and if you think we should continue our american expansion and make sure to share with a friend because we love new boxes so um see you soon in spain Fox, fox. Fox, fox.